0: Welcome to another Directions Mag podcast. We're honored to continue hosting these valuable resources in partnership with our friends at Eurisa. Today, we're discussing career transitions, school to that first job, career changes, and growing into new positions. Rachel Rodriguez and Micah Babinski from the Vanguard Cabinet host our panelists, Julie Jackson, Steven Steinberg, and Kevin Voltz, as they share their experiences.
1: Hi, my name is Rachel Rodriguez. I'm the current chair of the Vanguard Cabinet of Young Professionals based out of the ERISA Professional Organization. I am a senior GIS analyst out of Los Angeles County, working on addressing a NextGen 911. And I'm here to facilitate this uh, podcast today.
2: Yeah, hi, I'm, I'm Julie Jackson. I am the GIS supervisor for the City of Tacoma's IT department. I am about two months into this new job. Um, Before that, I was many, many years with Washington State Department of Transportation as a a GIS supervisor.
3: Yeah, my name is Kevin Bowles. I'm the Director of Operations at Avari GIS Consulting. We're a small GIS firm based out of San Diego that largely deploys um, enterprise GIS solutions in the cloud, and we primarily work on um, asset management, as well as um, GIS consulting services, kind of across the board.
0: Hello, this is Steve Steinberg. I am the Geographic Information Officer for the County of Los Angeles. Uh, if you are not familiar, we are the largest county in the country with over 10 million residents. Um, I've been a longtime Erisa member and officer in our local chapters here in California. And prior to working with the county, I spent uh, over a decade in full-time teaching as a professor of geospatial science at Humboldt State University.
4: And uh, this is Micah Babinski. I'm a first-year ERISA Vanguard cabinet member, and uh, I'm going to be sort of helping to facilitate and uh, helping to organize this podcast. I'm glad to be on. I'm a GIS project manager in Portland, Oregon, work for a company called elion International, and uh, I support the geospatial operations at the Bureau of Land Management, Oregon State Office.
1: Awesome, thank you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I had the first question lined up is, how did you find your first job out of your undergraduate or a graduate program? What resources existed during that time? And what was your approximate timeline? When did you actually start the process of applying for jobs? Let's start with Kevin.
3: Sure, all right, so, Right out of school, it was um, back in 2009. I essentially was kind of looking for any type of GIS work just to get my feet wet. Um, I ended up moving back home to Orange County, and I started interning at the City of Huntington Beach. So I was um, I was a volunteer intern. I worked uh, about three days a week, and kind of just started making some maps. And then while continuing to look for a kind of GIS analyst position, I moved out to. University of Minnesota where I I knew a professor there and I was able to do some exploratory map making for them. So kind of was just making it work. And and in that job, I was able to create some maps that ended up getting published. And then that led to eventually finding a job back in in San Diego, which is where I wanted to end up anywhere from San Diego to LA. And then I I landed a a GIS analyst position down in in San Diego. And um, kind of from there, just
1: Going. Nice. Julie, what was the experience for you?
2: Oh, uh, let's see. So, I got my graduate degree at University of Alaska Fairbanks and I was so so tired of feeling like prey out there in the the landscape that um I decided to take some time off and go to New Zealand and go backpacking because New Zealand has no large predators. Um and so I thought so this would have been in 2001. I thought I was pretty smart in that I put everything that I needed to apply for jobs in a draft email in my Hotmail account and used that as I was traveling around to just kind of apply for jobs back in the States. And so that eventually turned into a position with the University of Alaska Cooperative Extension Service. And that was um, both the best job and the worst job I think I've ever had in the sense that It was a grant-funded project, and they had kind of a real nebulous idea about what they wanted GIS to do. And so it was, you know, I I thought, well, I could step into this position, but there was no existing program to step into. So I had to build a program to support this grant from scratch. And um, in Bush, Alaska, that's pretty hard to do. So that was that was my first job. And I think that um, one of the keys to making that work was just being prepared to talk to anybody and then having your, your resume kind of available at a moment's notice. For me, it was stored as a draft email. But it was through that position that I, I learned that your network's really important. Um, being prepared to travel is also very helpful. And um, when you're fresh out of college, I don't think, at least I didn't know at the time, um, what I was good at. You know, I could do the technical stuff, but I also had this ability to to teach that I didn't really fully appreciate when I was when I was in college. So that was that was my
4: first job. And do I take from your answer that the hotmail account is key, Julie?
2: <laughs> you know, I still have that hotmail account. I, <laughs> I keep it for um, you know, whenever some whenever I don't want anyone to know my my real email address, that's the one that I use. That's the junk one.
4: That could be the most valuable thing, (laughs) that could be the most valuable piece of advice from this podcast.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Steve, do you have any any advice or experience?
0: (laughs) Well, I have lots of experience. I'm the old timer here, I think. Um, So I came out of my, uh, I guess, undergraduate program uh, back in the early 90s, last millennium, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but I had discovered, I wouldn't even call it GIS at that point, it was more geospatial science around aerial photography and remote sensing. So in a panic of facing the real world, I decided to apply to graduate school um, rather than look for a job um, and do my master's. And in my master's program, I learned about this interesting thing called GIS that uh, was really cool because you had this black and white screen with a blinking cursor and somehow from that you could make, Uh, something resembling a map um, and use remote sensing data and map data together. So this is all like command line era, um, pre-internet in in fact. So um, I'll quickly fast forward. I uh, I again repeated the same process when I graduated my master's. I did not want to face the real world because I found academia much more entertaining and uh, interesting because you could do cutting edge work. So I applied to a PhD program. But I'll say here, the key thing for me, um, because really a PhD is a job, uh, you end up being a research assistant and a teaching assistant. Uh, it was networking that made that work for me, having gone to through my master's program, um, various professional events uh, through our local chapters of At that time, uh, I was more involved with ASPRS. I hadn't heard of ERISA yet, um, but met people, made connections, and that actually was my ticket to a PhD program, was being connected to people who could give me recommendations that were trusted. Um, So fast forward to finishing school and having to actually face the real world, because after all that, I had to. Um, We still didn't have anything called the World Wide Web, as any of you would know it um, when I graduated in the late 90s. So I used something, called the Gopher website, which was a, a text-based uh, version of the web, I guess you could say. And there were some very early prototypical job search sites there. And I found a text message uh, or a text posting of you know various jobs that involved GIS and remote sensing and ended up going into uh, academia as a professor out of my PhD, again, because I didn't want to face the real world. I figured I'd stay in school, but get paid more for it. Um, So that's sort of how I got started. Now, I'll fast forward quickly to the present um, and say coming many years later, uh, about 20 years later in my career to the current job I'm in as GIO for LA County. Again, it was networking that really made that connection. By then, I was very involved with ERISA and had been a chapter officer in Northern California um, and then Southern California started to meet a lot of people in the in the county here and when you know this position came open it was actually people I knew from professional societies and particularly the ERISA groups that asked me to apply for this job and really twisted my arm I hadn't planned to look for a new job I was happy uh, at the research agency I was working with at the time but Networking is really what paid off Um, and by then we did have the internet so I could apply online and do all the job searching and things like that. So that's a very quick 25 year history of how to search for a job when you don't want to leave school.
1: That's comical. I think all of us could relate to that and struggling at the last minute to try to reach for something. Um, So, Julie, I kind of want to hear a little bit more since you have the most recent uh, job move. Um, What's been your experience moving from one job to another in potentially a different industry sector? Uh, So, um, it's it's I, i'd like to say it's been
2: absolutely smooth but um i've learned some things in the last 2 months so the the first sort of big thing was that um institutional knowledge is certainly a really valuable thing i spent 13 years at washington state department of transportation and you know doing all sorts of different support services for gis and i'd seen the evolution of gis within the agency f- for the past 13 years and when you move to a new organization you lose all of that institutional knowledge so everything about you know where the data comes from and and how it's connected and what applications it supports and who are the you know the big users of the the applications all of that kind of disappears and so that is that has been the most difficult aspect of taking this this new job um, it's just that, you know, in a <laughs> in a puff of unfortunate smoke, my knowledge in how stuff works is gone. I mean, I understand the basic technology, but, um, and then the city, of course, has, uh, the, we, we are far more connected to the citizens than the state in that we have a lot of applications that are designed to support citizen engagement and to make it easy for citizens to schedule services. And um, we didn't, we didn't have anything like that with the Washington State Department of Transportation. It was kind of on a, a whole different level. So understanding how to engage with citizens and how to make that easy is has been a new thing. The other thing in this new transition, and, and this the timing of this podcast is really um, both fortunate and unfortunate. When you leave um, state employment and go to another another organization like the city, there's a lot of things that That you lose so in transitioning from the state to the city i lost all of my personal leave and my leave accrual rates just about the same time we're having a, a major family medical emergency and so i had prided myself on always being prepared for any kind of emergency in terms of i had a huge leave balance i had a network i had everything that i that i needed to support my personal life and new job that is all gone and so that has been the hardest part of um, moving into work for the city of tacoma the city is awesome it's great i have a fantastic staff i have a great management but the reality is that you're a new employee and and there you're going to have to make some sacrifices so that's been that's been the the hardest thing and then the other thing i guess this is the on the bright side. I had, when I worked for the Washington State Department of Transportation, we had hired a new person and I watched how he handled the new environment and learning, you know, like, how do you do timesheets and how do you do, you know, all where do you map the plotter all that kind of stuff and he um he got really frustrated because he wanted to learn things quickly he wanted to be up and running and going very quick and he uh had a hard time just allowing himself the time to get comfortable and just kind of see the lay of the land and so um and I've had some friends that have had the same sort of challenge they go from being you know really really good at what they do and they know their job and then being dropped into a new position where it's all unfamiliar and as much as you say hey give yourself some time to learn it'll settle in you know it's we don't expect the you know the sun and the moon from you right away just just kind of ease into it and and observe and learn it's easy to say it's a whole lot harder to do you know so funny you know i get this new job and i'm telling myself give it a year you know give it a year to really understand the cycle of, of how the city does business and um, and who who does what and you know where's that department located and what are all the names of the conference rooms and you know where do you where do you find a headset for your computer and does IT give you the uh, admin privileges you need so that you can do a podcast? Um, that's been the big challenge for me so. Be careful when you transition to a new job.
1: Wow, you hit on some really <laughs> strong points there.
2: <laughs> um, and, definitely. And I was just reading through the, the FMLA um, law, and it doesn't apply for employees who have been employed by the city less than a year. And so FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, is what would protect you in your job if you did need to take leave to care for a sick parent. Um but it doesn't apply if, you've, if, if you haven't worked for the city for more than a year.
1: Yeah, I actually have some personal experience on that myself. Um, I personally had to leave a job just because I did not qualify for that FMLA leave um, and leave a you know decent starting job, but because I didn't meet that minimum requirement, I you know made the decision and had to move back to take care of my parents. So it's a very poignant topic absolutely and you did the right thing you and
2: and I'm hoping that the city and my staff can be flexible and um, there in my mind there's really only one choice <laughs> there are other jobs you know so if it doesn't work out then you know and then that's when your network becomes so important right so you know everybody that I know from the city and the state and the counties they all know what's going on so They're every people are incredibly helpful,
1: that's very true. Um, Kevin, do you have any experience about moving from a new job or a new um position in your company that you might want to talk about or into the new parenthood role?
3: (laughs) Um, yes, I would. I um, so I moved, I've been at my current job for about 10 months, and kind of where I left off. Um, Before, I found a job as a GIS analyst. I was at a company for about seven years. And then, as the others mentioned, um, it was really the network that helped me grow and find new opportunities. Um, And some of those connections were kind of more secondary or tertiary connections that people I would never have thought would have helped me get a job. And they just, you know, they said, oh, I think you'd be great at this, put in a good word. And then that helped me transition from. A GIS analyst into kind of a, a developer role, where I was able to support um, the enterprise, largely the City of San Diego's um, enterprise GIS, and and that was the best thing ever that could have happened to me. That was right when I was having my first child, so that was a major transition, um, kind of total role change from being an analyst to kind of being all on the back end doing a bunch of Python. And then a year a year after that, it was again. It was someone I worked with at that company. They'd moved on after six months. At the at the Erisa meetup last year at the Esri conference, um, one of my friends that I worked with and we worked well together kind of just said, "Hey, I think you'd be great in this this new role, which is you know management role, direct directing the operations of a company, really um, involved with kind of bringing up our our slightly green workforce to get them doing." The more really cool things in GIS so but the the job the job change and that major transition um, from like losing that institutional knowledge to just trying to get back to being able to walk comfort comfortably at the job knowing what I'm supposed to do and where I feel like that took a solid six months even though I was really cranking and trying to learn things as fast as possible but now and I've got, I think, just over a dozen people under me. So it's getting to know them, getting to know our industry. I didn't know too much about streetlights and, and kind of some of the, the major things my, my current company does. And I'm still behind on some of that, but and being thrust in a management role where I kinda I have a lot of autonomy. That's been that's been a challenge just to figure out what I'm supposed to do, figure out where I can make the biggest impact, um, really improve our operations, bring our people up. And then at the same time yes as Rachel mentioned I've got a baby number three on its way so the job transition obviously that was a, a major discussion point with my wife and I because we knew it'd be some changes but at the time she wasn't pregnant and it's it's hard to anticipate you know I'm working longer hours now but there are things we need to get done and she's you know kind of in the, in the middle of her pregnancy so that's that's been an interesting challenge um, but really as everyone else said it's kind of It really helps to have that network that you can leverage. Um, My boss, he's really good at encouraging everyone to keep all of our employees to keep their LinkedIn profiles up to date and everything. And um, that's actually how I I joined uh, the Eurisa Vanguard cabinet, too. He was like, he sent me to the Eurisa conference in Palm Springs last year. I really liked being on the management track since that was a new focus for me. And then I got involved with your of Vanguard cabinet applied. And then now I've been working with Micah and Rachel and, and others on the Yosha Vanguard cabinet, as well as, as doing this role. So I'm actually trying to consolidate the amount of things I can do to, to more effectively be involved in those, those couple of focus points I, I really want to get into. But yeah, so it's been a, it's been a great transition and a long road kind of getting here. And it's kind of funny how, you know, I changed from analyst and I focused on tech skills. And because of my network, I was able to grow into a, developer job, and then because of being a successful developer and supporting enterprise GI systems, I then was thrust into management role, where now instead of doing any of that work that I've been working on, I'm trying to bring up my team and get them to accomplish the, the more complex work.
4: I have a follow-on question for that, um, specifically for you, Kevin, but uh, Julie and Steve, I'm sure you had, you'd have a lot to offer on this, too, is um, a lot of people that I talk to are curious about what it takes to transition into the role of a GIS developer. Like, you start off as a GIS tech or an analyst, you get some really solid skills with, you know, cartography, analysis, data management, maybe you get into Python, or, you know, there's a lot you can do with um, with ArcGIS Model Builder and to- tools like this. But then there seems to be this sort of confusion about how do you make the jump to being a more sophisticated web developer or desktop GIS developer? How do you get the opportunities to learn the kind of skills that would qualify you for those roles? I'll admit I'm a little uncertain. I think a lot of people are wondering about that.
0: This is Steve, I'll I'll take a whack at that uh, to build on what the others have already said. Um, before I do, I just wanna echo everything that my colleagues have just said about networking and uh, staying connected, but I wanna add two other things there. One is um, I found it's really important not just to keep your resume up to date, uh, but also to keep your skills up to date. So attending things that get you where you wanna go. So for me, that was things like going to the ERISA Leadership Academy, with an eye towards I'm looking to improve my leadership and management skills. Um, And actually currently I'm even uh, doing more of that by doing a master's of public administration because I wasn't in the government sector, so I wanted to improve my skills there. So going back to school. Now, not everyone can do that. So I'd say the other thing you wanna do is just attend the workshops at conferences at, you know, that ERISA puts on at your local chapter, wherever you can find those connections to build skills. It's, it's both building your skills and your network simultaneously. And it's making those connections to the people like Kevin said, that'll give you recommendations to jobs, even if they don't really know you that well, because they see what you're doing. Um, As to, you know, how to jump from analyst to developer to maybe management over the course of a career, I'd say two things. Um, One is, again, it's what I just said, keeping up and and showing your interest in those so that people see you as what you wanna be, not as what you are. Um, The other thing I'd say, and I recommend this to staff here in the county all the time, a lot of the people we do work for don't understand our industry all that well. so. We regularly here in the county have managers asking for a map of something, and in their mind, they think that means a paper map that they can hang on their wall and stick pins in, literally. So, I've suggested staff, and it's been very successful. Every time they ask for a map, give them the map, but also give them an interactive web map. Use, you know, Web App Builder, use, you know, Esri AGOL Online, whatever tools you have available to show. The people higher up the chain of command. This is I'm not just doing the minimum or just what you asked. I'm going to give you what you asked for and more and, and give you an opportunity to see the possibilities, not just of the technology, but of me as your upcoming staff member and future leader. And I think that's really important is, you know, don't allow yourself to get stuck with whatever you left your formal studies as an undergrad or grad student with. It's an ongoing process throughout your career. Um, last thing I'll say on that is, you know, if I stopped when I left school, I'd be stuck at the command line. We didn't have graphic interfaces and mice. Um, my command line skills and AML, Arc Macro Language Programming skills that I came out of school with are not very useful today, but they gave me the base to build on, to move into web mapping, to move into other technology as it evolved. So I'll leave it there.
1: Those are all awesome points. Um, so my next question is what advice do you have for somebody struggling to make a transition, whether it's from school to work life or, um, thinking it's time to move on from one job to another. Uh, let's start with Kevin.
3: Um, so in my experience, um, f- for me, when kind of the transition through, I got married about six years ago and, and when I was going, you know, wanted to ask my, my now wife to marry me, it was really important that I was able to, you know, succeed at a certain level. I wanted to be able to get a, a similar analyst role, whether I was a GIS analyst, just making a certain amount of money. So what i really focused on was kind of building my tech skills up to kind of secure what I had going for me. Um, and then that led to, by the time I was having my first job, I, I really was very focused on, I, I tried to push in my, my current company. I wanted to be on the developer team. I was specking out kind of the next generation of the software we were building. I was working closely with the engineers and I was really trying to get kind of transition they they weren't that interested in that they kind of liked me in my lead role where I was kind of training up and bringing the team on and accomplishing all our work under contract but so I you know I just I found some courses online for python and kind of and really just kept going and then I slowly started automating things at work so instead of using using um visual basic and and actually like this fox pro code um, I kind of, I slowly transitioned everything to Python, um, and that really freed me up. Everything was automated. I was getting reporting. So it made my, it freed more of my time up Then I could spend more time with the engineering team. Um, and then that led, like I said before, my network, one of my friends that, you know, I'd ran with a couple of times at, at lunch. We just, we didn't hang out that much. We didn't work on the same teams. Um, but he, I, I, I saw him on on the website for another company. And I just said, hey, how do you like your job? And he's like, I like it, great. You want me to hand in your resume? And like I said, no, I'm happy now. And then a week later I was like, you know, could you yeah, submit my resume? And then he just said, he mentioned to the, the boss, you know, he's like, oh, Kevin seems like a go-to guy. I interviewed that week, got a, you know, transitioned into, directly into kind of enterprise GIS support and, and supporting and developing custom GIS solutions. So a lot of programming. And at the time I was, I'd been at the company for seven years. So it was kind of transitioning was, um, I was kind of just looking to to see what the next step was for me, whether that was programming or whatever. Um, But so that transition really just came from me building my skills, regardless whether my company supported me or not, I kind of found a, a series of courses online that got me started with Python. And then I do feel like I lucked out because I was considering going to like a junior developer job or something, and um, and I kind of got thrust into enterprise GIS support and developing. And um, so for me, it's always worked focusing on those those tech skills. I mean, I also had I think some things going for me. I was also I was always the person that was able to translate from engineers what the project managers needed to hear, and then from the analysts being able to speak to the, the project managers and and also just the clients on trying to get them solutions so kind of pairing everything together and and gaining those skills really helped transition into being a developer and then it also really helped transitioning into being a management role um, along the way I did get my GSP and that was that was critical to my it was very important to my employer me um, I mean I didn't put at the time, too much stock in it, but that was one of the things that also helped me transition into a job is gaining those technical skills, really getting into the back end, being able to talk about that clearly, um, kind of being fluent with the technology. That's that's something that really helped me transition each each step of each step of the way.
1: Nice, Steve. Do you does that resound with you at all?
0: Yes, and I'll actually add just a couple things that. Kevin alluded to, but I'll, I'll put maybe in a different phrasing. One is believe in yourself. A lot of times, especially coming out of school when students are looking at job postings and the list of skills and abilities that are, that are on that job announcement, jobs, Uh, people who write job announcements tend to put their dream position, you know, and all the skills under the sun. So they'll have 12 programming languages and 18 different software packages and so on. I'm exaggerating. But don't worry about that. If you are confident that you can do the core stuff in your discipline, you know how to do project, you know, analysis or talk to the customer and translate from their discipline to GIS or whatever it may be, don't worry if you're missing two of the job, uh, you know, skills that are on a job announcement. Apply anyway. And always, the other thing I'd say is, always keep your mind open. Every time, all two of them, that <laughs> I change jobs. You know, I went into academia, I was a full professor, I had a secure lifetime position. The reason I left academia wasn't because I was looking to, it was because I was at a meeting in the state capitol on a committee I was serving on and another committee member asked me would I like to move to a new job that he had open. I had no intention of doing that, but because of that network and because of that opportunity popping up, I just figure what the heck, go ahead and do the interview, Try see what it looks like and then make a decision. So, you know, the goal of applying to a job is not that you necessarily want that job, it's that you want the opportunity to decide if you want that job, you know, if they get to the point of an offer. Same thing happened when I went from that position to my current position. I wasn't looking for a new job, it popped up, and I figured, sure, I should apply. I'll see where I stand across the industry with colleagues. And once there's an offer on the table, if it gets to that, then I really have to make a decision. But applying to a job doesn't hurt. And I think a lot of people worry about that, that I'm not fully qualified or this isn't the right time. Um, if you shut those doors, you may never see them open again. So my philosophy has always been go for it, no matter what. You, you know, If you're not qualified, then you won't get to the interview, that's okay. And now you know, maybe you need to do what Kevin said, go polish up some new skills and abilities, do more networking, eventually you'll connect to the right job. And sometimes you don't even know what that is until it happens. So that would be my two bits of additional advice.
2: Yeah, I've got a couple of right. things to add on to that. Um, so my reason for moving on, I mean, I think when you're looking for a job, you have to kind of take a step back and think about why you're looking for something new. Is it because you, you want more free time or more money or more challenging work. And for me, um, I found myself, I, I call it shooting my mouth off a little too much. <laughs> I, I kept having these ideas about the way that I thought our, our department should manage their their GIS enterprise but i wasn't really in a position to make those decisions i was a technical person i was you know on the help desk i had a small staff we were doing good work and i could see how the agency could be doing even better work but it wasn't really my place to make those decisions or or to say those things and so when the city of tacoma job opened up i thought all right you know here's here's finally the opportunity to you know if i'm so passionate about you know customer support and not chasing every new thing that comes across my path you know if i if i have these ideas about how to do things better in a in a government organization then i need to step up and make the commitment and put myself in a position where i can do those things and that's got to be you know that's my calling and so that was that was the reason for leaving even though i really liked the work that i did at, at the department of transportation this was a major driving factor and i think anybody who's looking for something new there's there's a reason for it and then um so then on on the other side of that for those folks who are in positions to create opportunities for for new new people in our field it's it really is on us to create those um, mentoring relationships and those internship opportunities and those entry-level positions so that somebody who's looking to come into the field has somewhere to go i mean we know we create these job descriptions that are just you know incredible because that's what we really want but i think it's also important to create entry-level positions um, you know for 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 example for geospatial application developers are really hard to find if you're looking to fill a geospatial application developer position and you've got you know what the state or the city offers for for salary you're going to have a really hard time doing it and so you almost have to create you have to you have to create the path up for some young bright person to kind of jump into that new field. They may be an application developer, but they might not have the GIS, or they might have the GIS background, but they might not be an application developer. So create a create a job
1: and grow the people that you need for your, for your positions. Uh, Julie, you make some really strong points there. This, yeah, um, this is my
2: calling, this is my calling. I'm passionate about this stuff, and I'm finally you know, in a position where I can start to make some things happen.
4: I have a question about that Julie when you were examining your reasons for seeking a new position like how did you structure that thought process were you talking to like friends and loved ones and that helped you or were you, was it just internal sort of an internal monologue that uh that you were just thinking about on your own time or how did you come to that realization that it was time to to seek a transition
2: You know I was um I was lucky enough to be invited um to participate in some some sort of multi multi agency um, meetings within Washington State, so so I was able to observe um, folks in the position that I was looking to jump into. So my supervisor at the time at WashDOT invited me to come with him um, and sort of be his technical support for a, a geospatial. Um, coordination meeting. And so I'm a I'm a big like hang back and observe and kind of watch and watch and see how they, you know, w- what kind of level are these people on? And once I realized, oh, okay, I can, and once I saw a few of my peers kind of make the jump up into being, um, you know, an agency GIS manager, I realized, okay, this it's hard. It's a hard jump, but it's doable. And if you're organized and you're thoughtful and you've got a good network and you you kind of know this stuff and you've been around the block when it comes to GIS, you, you can make the transition. Um, so that was, uh, no, I didn't really talk to my family that much about making the switch, which is, you know, probably, I don't know, it, it worked out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, mostly i I look to my my peer group and the and their management and and just thought, well, this I know this work, I know this stuff that we're doing, and I know how we can do it better, or at least I'm gonna try
0: cool yeah. and mike i would I would say, I took a little bit different tack maybe in that sure, I talked to you know colleagues and family. Um, because in my case, each time I've traded job positions, um, I was moving, well, the first time when I left academia to take a research position in in a public sector job, I was moving my family from Northern California to Southern California. So that means, you know, changing schools for my kid. My wife had to, you know, decide if she was going to be able to find another job that was appropriate for her. So that was a big decision. So I think it depends where you are in your life. Um, If you're, single and can do sort of anything that works for you then I think you do have more flexibility Um, if you're you know a little further along in your your personal life with other commitments that may tie you down to a certain place uh, family and parents and kids and all those other things it it can be a little bit harder so I think you have to weigh all those things but at the end of the day I think you know it's already been said the main thing is if you feel like you've grown beyond the opportunities that your current position offers you, um, either because the organization is too small or you know, there's not an opportunity for you to promote up um, into where you wanna be, sometimes you have to move to have those new opportunities. And I think at the end of the day, being happy in your work is the thing you always hear people say. If you're if you feel constrained too much, like you're just doing the same old thing every day, and there's no opportunity to evolve in your career, um, you're likely to get frustrated. So, um, I think that's that's one way um, I would I look at it. Um, now that said, for me, it wasn't so much that I felt stuck in uh, in academia. I had lots of opportunity there, but I for me that jump to the the public sector was about doing something that I felt like made a real difference in the world instead of the ivory tower. And then moving from my initial public research agency to the county, it was growing to something that could have a larger impact um, and and you know more opportunities to influence the direction of the organization, which we've already heard about. So I think there's a whole bunch of factors that come in and it's gonna be a little bit different for each person. But I think at the end of the day is, if you feel like you've hit the limitations of the place you're working and and you have more to offer and you're not able to do it there, certainly it's good to try to grow the position in the place you are if that's possible. But at some point you may need to go somewhere else to find those opportunities.
1: Nice. They, those are wise words, Kevin. Do you have any closing remarks that you want to um, impart onto future and current GIS analysts?
3: Um, sure. Yeah, and and kind of just to hit the point home, I think what what Steve said, like the number one thing w- when I left my GIS analyst position, it was because I kind of stagnated and I I wasn't learning as much, and that's so made me seek out Python and that kind of stuff. And then I was a developer, and then actually. I thought I'd do that for a couple of years because I had a heck of a lot to learn like, for, for a very long time. But that said, another opportunity came along that was the, the right opportunity for me. And that made me go, you know, well, should I stick around for another year or two and, and really try and hammer out my skills? And, and I read this job description at the time it was for operations lead. And I I read it five or six times because I couldn't believe how, it seemed like it was written for me. It was all the things I really enjoyed doing, leveraging my expertise, working with people, bringing up a team to accomplish, you know, great GIS work. And I I couldn't believe it. It was, and so, and as as Steve said in fewer words than I did, you know, he alluded to, or he said I alluded to, you know, believing in yourself. I, I think for this job, I didn't have necessarily all of the skills for this job, but my employer since told me, you know, since then they're like, we knew you really wanted this job and that you would be great in it, even though, you know, I've never managed directly 13 people. And, and in a few years I might turn into 30 or 40 people. And, and so it's just, I think it's more just kind of always being ready, always being interested and willing to learn, you know, keep, when I did transition into the developer job, I just always kept my LinkedIn up to date and was just kind of, every month or so would just look at any GIS opportunity just to see what was out there going through the, the um, opportunities to see like what skills were required or, you know, like, Oh, should I learn some JavaScript? Just kind of just staying affluent, like with with what's going on in, in the GIS world since we are a pretty small world. And then that just led to getting more involved with, with ERISA and expanding my network a ton. And I met Rachel, you know, in person earlier this year, and then we got to hang out at the Esri conference and, and I've been talking more and more to more of the Vanguard cabinet folks. You know, I, I, I was lucky enough to meet Steve when I helped out with some interviews at the city of LA and, and all these things just really got me going in, in my direction where I'm now extremely happy with my job and I work longer than I ever had, but I, there's so much work to do and I absolutely love it. So I, I would say just, if you don't know what you want to do, Go try and do things. If you think Python might be for you, go dive in and, and learn that for a few months and and automate some stuff. It's 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 make that jump and, and do the thing. And then if you don't if you don't really love Python after a few months, that's fine. You can probably still automate some of your workflow. But maybe there's something else you can dive into, do a kind of tour of duty, really figure out what that is. And that's just something that's worked really well for me. And also going above and beyond. Like Steve said earlier, like, don't just give them a map, do a web map and, you know, don't just set up a a refresh script, add logging to it and kind of any and all things. Just if you find the thing where you really be happy and just keep going with that and that might lead you down whatever path, whether that's manager, developer, you know, super analyst or anything like that. I think that would be my, my main takeaways or parting advice.
1: That's great, Kevin. Thank you so much. Julie, do you have any parting words? Um
2: j- just I don't know about parting words, but just sort of a thought that was triggered. Um in in transitioning from being a, a technical person to being a in more of a supervisory role, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of mourned the loss, you know, like those cool projects that come in, the really fancy, neat cartographic projects or the neat web apps. You know, I was um, I was sad. <laughs> I am sad that those things won't really be landing on my desk anymore. But um, Esri's home use licensing <laughs> makes it easy for for sad supervisors who aren't getting the fun technical stuff anymore to you know, if you really love GIS and you want to do it on the weekend or you want to submit a, a map to the UC, you can still do those things. If if you want to build developer skills outside of work you there are all sorts of resources available that you can you can be a volunteer you can our local library has a a subscription to lynda.com you know so if there's a skill set that i know i'm not going to be using in my current job because i'm i'm just supervising folks um doesn't mean that you have to leave that kind of work behind um you just you know have to find a new way to get that kind of satisfaction because i you know, some folks, some GIS folks, you know, they do it on the weekend, and that's there's <laughs> there's definitely opportunities for for keeping your technical skills sharp if you're moving into a position that doesn't necessarily require hands-on technical ability.
0: I would echo that um, and add one other comment, not to imply this is the case um, here, but I think sometimes people get caught up in this rat race of I have to get promoted up through all the high, you know the chain of command in whatever job they're in. And I think it's important to think about, again, what makes you happy um, and what your goals are, because I know we here in the county have some GIS analysts who are perfectly happy being GIS analysts, and they don't want to move into management, or they don't want to, you know, shift into some role that's going to take certain things out of their daily workload. So, you know, again, think about if you're really excited by what you're doing, and that's what you are passionate about, find a career path that allows you to grow in that area. And that may, again, mean you have to move to a different kind of an organization or a larger organization where you can do more of that technical work. If you're excited by, moving into the project management and the you know administrative side of things and many of us are. that's partly why we're all here, I think. Um, I think that's also you know that's a different path. but you really have to take some time to reflect on what is, is that you want to do um, over the course of a career. And that's hard coming out of school and you don't need to know that coming out of school. but each time an opportunity comes up, you really have to take some time to think about is this an opportunity? I really want to take or not. Um, and if it is, great. And if it's not, great. But I will caution um, because I used to tell this to students in school if you go get another degree or you go down a certain fork in the road, certain other opportunities will go away. Um, you know, you'll be overqualified or you'll be viewed as something different. I don't think I could go back to being an analyst very easily after being the GIO for LA County. Um, but you can do those other things. Volunteer through the GIS Corps of ERISA. Volunteer with your local K-12 school as a geo-mentor. Do those, you know, community projects with an organization you're interested in. There are ways to stay involved. Um, it doesn't always have to be your professional life. It can also be your personal life. So I think those are great points that. You know you want to keep in mind
1: yeah thank you guys all for uh participating in this podcast today uh steve julie kevin micah and of course to our lovely host barbary i really appreciate all you guys's insight and opportunities you provide for us um, the listeners and everybody else involved in gis